Life, July 14, 2017. Dear Mia and Isabel, I have solved all the logistical problems resulting from my death that I can think of. I have left a list of instructions about who your dentist is and when to renew the violin rental contract and the identity of the piano tuner. But I realized that these things are the low-hanging fruit. You will forever be the kids whose mother died of cancer. As your mother, I wish I could protect you from that pain. But also as your mother, I want you to feel the pain, to live it, embrace it, and then learn from it. This is my challenge to you, my sweet girls, to take an ugly tragedy and transform it into a source of beauty, love, strength, courage, and wisdom. This is the last chapter. It's about Julie's plans for after she's gone. Where to find the air filters, how to take care of the dog, how to recognize when she's talking to you from the afterlife. I'm Eleanor Kagan. This is episode three, The Unwinding of the Miracle. Here we go. It's 6 a.m. on a day in late fall, and Julie's meeting up with a couple of producers, Max and Henry. I'm, I'm okay. I'm in a little bit of pain. I didn't sleep very well. And we are about to go for me to uh, receive treatment, hopefully. I'm healthy, healthy enough to do that today. If that's the case, it's going to be a very long day. <laughs> 11 hours. All right. So we're going to take the subway. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, they will check my blood. Because I, I picked up a virus from the kids, so... Like, if something's wrong with my blood counts, they might not do it. And they have to beg. Or, you know, if it's not safe enough, they don't, they don't think it's safe. If, you know, because they, te- they te- test all kinds of things. They arrive at the hospital, and throughout the morning, people are filtering in. Her parents show up, Mark stops by. Julie's feeling pretty optimistic, maybe even a little excited. Chemo is exhausting. But ultimately... You want it in you so that it can do its job. But before she gets called in for that, a lot of waiting, a lot of small talk. Do you watch, like, Netflix? Mm-hmm. What's your go-to? My favorite zone? show, my favorite show of all time, is Mozart in the Jungle. Really? Yeah. One of my uh, friends, the showrunner in that show. Can I meet Gael? <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, this is, like, my dying wish. I want to meet Gael Garcia for now. Holy shit. Who's Gael? He's the main character. Hottie, like, Argentinian. The character's name is Rodrigo. He's a, like, orchestra conductor. And my kids play, you know, violin and piano, so I'm all into the music, right? I love that show. No, you don't understand. I'm not a groupie type. Like, I, I think it's so stupid to pawn over celebrities and all that crap. But this show, for some reason, just, like, I'll rewatch it, like, when, like, it's... I'm having a shitty day, and I'm like, I'm lying there getting scanned, you know, and I'm like, I'm, it like feels like I'm in a coffin, you know, and I close my eyes and I think about the show, and it like I forget. They call her over. It's time for a nurse to draw blood through a small device implanted in her chest. You guys can stand and watch it. Can we come with you? Yeah, yeah. And Julie's pretty nonchalant about all of this. She's used to it by now. More tests follow that morning, but around noon they tell her. The chemo's not going to happen today. 
Well, things didn't go quite as planned. I have some virus or something is going on that's, it's always sort of like, oh great, now the cancer has more time to grow. And, and that's always upsetting. <coughs> so, I'm pretty worn out. I'm gonna go take some pain pills and uh, get some rest. In the last year of her life, Julie's health has declined fast. There are clinical trials that don't work, different chemo regimens, weight loss and weakness, new tumors, and a lot of pain management. I, I always feel like I don't have very much time on I'm tired. Am I, like, going to die in the next month? Probably not. But, you know, you never know how this disease will turn. Yeah. Here's Julian Mark again, having one of those long conversations for the book that Mark recorded on his iPhone. And then I get scared, because I'm human. Sure, but Julie, there's only so much you can control. I know, I can't worry about everything. Yeah. I can't control everything. I have to trust other people who will be able to step in and, and handle And figure it out. It's not gonna, there, no one's gonna have any ready answers, but it's a process mm -hmm. of just, it's a process. I always felt like of, I could figure everything out. Of course. <laughs> that I could solve every problem. But at the same time, I don't know if I can keep going because I'm so tired. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, hospice isn't a bad thing. And maybe that's, you know, and, and I like the way that Dr. Varghese phrased things. Because she said, you know, what are your goals? We do whatever it takes to get to your goal. And I said, I want to do as much as I can for the book. Mm -hmm. And she said, then hospice may be the best choice. Because you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to have all the side effects of treatment and fatigue and all that stuff. And your mind will be intact. And three weeks later, Julie goes into the hospital. I got a text from Lena at 10.48 p.m. Monday, February 26th. Mark, this is Lena, Julie's sister. She wants to see you at Sloan Kettering. She's been admitted. The docs give her only weeks. And I wrote back, you know, asking, do you, do you, should I come tonight? And she said, no, tomorrow morning is okay. She's conscious, but in pain. Weighs only 93 pounds. <clears throat> and so I get there early the next morning when I first get into her room. It's probably between 7 and 8 a.m. I definitely want my children to do much more with their lives. I want them to have Montezuma's revenge. <laughs> In China. In China, wherever. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I that. yeah that's, that's an adventure I could probably do with that. <laughs> it's pretty clear that the, the thing we've been talking about the thing she's been fighting against and surrendering to is here. Julie wants to go home and die in her bed, just as she always planned. But she also keeps talking about how she hasn't finished the book yet 
And she doesn't want the pain meds because they make it too hard for her to write. Julie, you shouldn't be in pain. And, and you know what? You've written it all. Mm. And we can, we can talk. Yeah. We can talk. They need to up the medicine. They do? Yeah. We should, we'll tell them, huh? Um, yes, uh, Julie uh, Yip-Williams needs some more pain medication, please. Yes, please. Thank you. So a couple of days later, I get a text from Mark. He tells me that Julie's home, she's in hospice now. And her family's been flying in from all over the country to be with her in her apartment. Her cousins, Nancy and Carolyn, her sister Lena, they want me to come record them. They know that this might be one of the last conversations they all have together. So Max, my fellow producer, and I head over there at 10 a.m. the next morning. Hi. Hi. I'm Eleanor. Hi, I'm Nancy. Hi, Nancy. It's great to meet you. Hi, Chipper. Nancy greets us, asks us to take off our shoes. Julie's parents and caretaker are there. Josh is keeping watch over the whole scene. Hey, great to see you. Can I give you a hug? Yeah. All right. We decide that Julie's bedroom will be the most comfortable place for her. So we head into that room, the one with the golden wallpaper. She gets all set up in her king-size bed, tennis balls supporting her back. And uh, what else is going on with my shitty body? (laughs) And Nancy, Lena, and Carolyn all perch on the bed around her. Don't forget Chipper. And the dog. And Max. She's a fan of Mozart in the jungle, so, you know. I'm, I'm send Julie's giving Max some shit because he hasn't set up that meeting between her and Gael Garcia Bernal. What promise is this? That I would get to meet Gael Garcia Bernal. Oh. <laughs> Shameless thing. Are you literally pulling the cancer card? For the next couple of hours, the conversation just flows. From the past to the present... Someone will pull out a memory, and they'll all laugh and talk about it and make fun of each other. And eventually, someone will fish out another. We did a lot of things that were completely unsupervised and would be considered negligence today. Yes. Totally negligence. We grew up fine. And we grew up fine. With a lot of independence. Yeah. And... you know, trying to figure out and we'd go how to, to take like, care of ourselves. And we'd go to, like, a Circus Circus. I don't know if you know what that was. In Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, which was, like, a huge, like... Um, it's a gambling resort. It's, like, a huge, like, a arcade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our parents would... They'd give us... Here here are 40, uh, you know, quarter, $40 uh, worth of quarters. Go play while we go gamble. <laughs> and they drop us off at like let's say ten in the morning after breakfast, and pick us up at six o'clock. It was like literally an eight-hour shift that you would have to play. It was ridiculous. Yeah. The amount of freedom we had. Yeah. And the danger we were put in. <laughs> so in the middle of this conversation, Mia, Julie's oldest daughter, pops her head in the room. She's really excited to show her mom and her aunts her new shoes. Heelys. They're these sneakers with wheels attached to the bottom. <laughs> Mia says she's about to go for a walk. Hello. And Julie tells her to be careful, though she's make her kind of nervous. <laughs> when she got them in the mail yesterday, I think all of us were like, oh, God. I know, that's such a bad idea. We're like, I would never do that for my child. <laughs> no, we were like, oh, my gosh, she's 
like, oh, I can can I wear it to the market with you guys? We're like, oh, yeah. it's raining. It's going to be super slippery. We don't think it's a good idea. We were just so all over her yesterday. She's like, get away from me. I can do this. <laughs> My memory of you two is always sleeping together. I didn't understand oh, we were, how that was all about. Always and then, like, and then we sleep together and yeah, then we giggle. We together. And then so we giggle over like nobody understood what we were giggling we giggle about. Line up because she was so bad all the time. She'd stop, stop in, stare at us, and stomp out. It was just so funny. I just don't understand what's this. What what's the giggling? And you're all like. Squeeze together onto that tiny bed. What is the deal? I know, we would sleep together oh. on a twin-size bed. And it was always so funny because it would be appalling to her sister who doesn't like to be touched. Um, like, to, for any of us <laughs> to be near not her. true. Stop exaggerating. It's true. I don't like you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm your favorite, too. <laughs> They've been talking for a while now, but they can't escape the reason that they're all here. It keeps inserting itself into their conversations. You know, this is a record that we'll all be able to listen to one day. Especially Nancy when she feels like crying. I've noticed waterworks in the family because it just turns on and I can't turn it off. We were going to steal your Valium so that we we wouldn't cry. I don't think the value is quite that strong enough, people. It's only five milligrams. It's only five milligrams, people. Your sister told us that she would kick us out and we cried. And we said, we'll just steal some of your value and we'll split it, Nancy and I. Stick a nibble. A year and a half ago, we said that we wanted to take a girl's trip together. And, you know, Julie was still pretty healthy at the time. And we were trying to figure out um, where to go. And of course, Nancy throughout Paris, being Nancy, we're like, oh, Paris, so like, anybody can do that. Let's do something really unique. And so I said, oh, let's try going to a dude ranch. (laughs) And Nancy's response was, Nancy? Oh, I was like, well, what the hell is a dude ranch? Like, I don't want to go to a ranch where there's male escorts. Like, that's not my thing. And why is that on anyone's bucket list? Because I associated it with Bunny Ranch. I'm like, we're from the city. Like, we don't do. I, I never heard of a dude ranch. And then they and then they explained what it was. I'm like, why the hell would we go to a ranch and scoop hay? Like, we're immigrants that came to America, so we didn't have to do that shit, you know? And for whatever reason, it still interests them. I, I don't understand why, but... But that's one of those things I wish we had done. I know. Looking back at it, I guess it's worth scooping <clears> in. And it was, it was shit. funny, the idea of a bunch of Chinese-American girls, you know. It was like the Chinese-American <laughs> city slickers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my life has been pretty crazy. <laughs> You know, born blind and coming to America and getting surgery and being able to go to Harvard and having all this success despite having really shitty vision. All I was aware of was just anger and frustration and determination and and just just 
being fucking pissed off. I would go to school with these kids who were visually impaired, some of them worse than me, um, some of them not, you know, and a lot of them, like, could never travel the world, you know, and I could. Julie traveled to all seven continents by the time she was 30. And on a lot of those trips, she was alone. I used to, I remember going on my trips to China and stuff or traveling or whatever, and I never knew what was going to happen to me. And I was afraid I was going to get mugged or raped or murdered or, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, you went anyway. And I went anyway. And I was like, this is the choice I'm making. And if I die, so be it. That's the choice I make. This is the life I've chosen, you know? In high school, you know, I was given that prompt, like in debate class, would you choose a life of, like, you know, sort of even-keeled life, or would you choose a life of ups and downs, you know? And I, oh, and I always said, of course, I, was, I would choose a life of ups and downs. And I'd rather have a life full of, like lessons and 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 meaning and I don't know just just something more I want the the kids to have the stories for sure but I think you've been so smart about trying to leave the kids with some memories about you. Since the day you found out you had cancer. You thought ahead and you thought about where you're gonna leave your kids. Memories about you too. All of you. I think I'm gonna miss you so much. Don't worry, though. I'll be haunting all of you. So don't, worry. don't worry. Can you not do it at night? Because I get really scared. <laughs> sure. By this point, Nancy has her arms wrapped around Julie, and Carolyn is holding her hand. Will you come back and haunt me? Mm-hmm. Can you not do it at night? Why not? Because it's really scary. Mm. Do it during the day when I'm watching TV. Mm. Just a flicker of the TV, that's enough. Mm. But not too much. I've told everybody, though, that it, there needs to be a special signal. <laughs> Flickering the TV. No, like, it has to be a special signal. This so is that's how like crazy unflickering. we are. <laughs> like, Unflickering. Like, so that you know, like, it's unmistakably me. Julie will live for another two weeks. She drifts in and out of consciousness, but some days her voice actually sounds pretty strong. Josh, her sister, her cousins, they hover around her, talk to her, lie in bed with her. I left a recorder at their house, just in case they wanted to use it. Hello there. It is Tuesday, March 6th, 2018. It's 37 degrees and cloudy. There's supposed to be a storm tomorrow. 
some serious snow. I haven't been to the office in a week and a half. Been with Julie. Since. I know that we were all on the sofa in the in the main room of our apartment. Um, Julie was sitting on the couch. She was or lying probably. You know, she was really sick. You know, Mia was Mia was there with me. And yeah, I just wanted to like play a little game to lighten the mood and just like pretend to be an interviewer. It was really just it was just partly a game. You know, I'll stop talking. Hi, honey. Hi, honey. I am currently dr drinking. Um, Mango Lassi. Yes. It's one of my favorite drinks in the entire world. And I love it. Of course, nothing tastes as good as what's in India. But when you're not in India, you gotta do, uh, live with what you got, so. So, so. Mrs. Jill Williams, can you tell the, tell the people here about your travels? My travels? Yes, tell them the places you went at London. She was, Julie was quite sick. Here's Julie's cousin again, Nancy. This towards the end, I think it was a few weeks before she passed, or maybe a week before she passed, or a day. I don't, I can't remember the time. A week before she dies, Julie and Lena are sitting on the couch. Lena pulls out her phone to show Julie a video. You ready? I, I, I'm gonna, when, you, when you're ready, I'm gonna press play, okay? Mm -hmm. Hello, Julie. Hello, this is Gael Garcia Bernal. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? I'm here in Buenos Aires doing a play and this is the reason why I have this face right now because yesterday we had two shows I sent you a big kiss, thank you so much for loving uh, Mozart in the jungle, they tell me that, uh, that you like it a lot It was such a personal video that he sent um, It was so sweet because it took a lot of energy to, to have her raise her hand and give a thumbs up Talk about a dream fulfilled, man. She she got everything. She got everything she asked for. And I must say, I I wish I, um, I was Rodrigo sometimes, because I could get away with many things. <laughs> All right. Oh, my love, Julie. Ciao. Julie spent her final days in that room where she and Mark recorded all those conversations. Where you could watch the sun setting over the Statue of Liberty. Where she designed the apartment that her girls would grow up in. Julie planned so much of her life from that room. And now, she was letting it go. There's this moment of fear. You know, we're like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. What is it gonna be like to die? But then, and then you try, and then you like try to calm yourself and be like, okay, calm yourself, contain yourself, <laughs> you know? Like, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna die. We're all going to die. This is a fact of life. Just, just live, deal with it and embrace it. Embrace that experience. Do you know that when you die, when you can't breathe anymore, there's something called air hunger. 
where your your lung is starving for air. It's fascinating. It's like this beautiful term, and that's what my oncologist called it. And I was like, "Wow, that's like beautiful." And um, and I thought, air hunger, air hunger, okay. And I started thinking about it in terms of embrace the experience. You know, like what's it gonna feel like to to feel the air, air hunger? You know. What's it gonna feel like? And don't be afraid, but just feel, feel it. Walk through it. Walk through the experience and just love it. Because it's part of your life, you know? I'm not scared anymore. Julie died on March 19th, 2018. It was the last day of winter. We have one final episode. It's an epilogue. We'll hear from Julie's family and from Mark about life after Julie's death and whether they've seen any of her signs. This show is hosted and produced by me, Eleanor Kagan. Our producers are Jess Hackle and Megan Tan. Joel Lovell is our editor. The executive producers at Pineapple Street Media are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Special thanks to Henry Malofsky for the conversations he had with Julie early on in this project, and to Leela Day for her help shaping episodes towards the end. Our music was composed by Glasser, with sound design and mixing by Hannes Brown. Julie's memoir, The Unwinding of the Miracle, is published by Random House and available now on Apple Books. Get it at apple.co slash Julie Yip. Thanks to the Yip family, the Williams family, Mark Warren, Andy Ward, and Lee Marchant. And Julie, if you're listening, thank you for sharing your story.